Hello, Fernanda. Hello, Caillou. So we are back for another episode from the Abedos Inn. And today we need to talk about something that it's huge in our country. And soon as we turn on the, the, the TV, we see the news. And it's a subject that I perhaps think it's one of the most relevant um, in this last few years, which is refugees, asylum seekers. And if you do not know, Derby is huge in it. Like we receive yearly, like every year, thousands and thousands of people like coming from all part of the world. And we are receiving with us today, Andrew Jackson, um, that will be sharing a little bit more about his work with refugees and everything. So Andrew, thank you for accepting joining us here today. And would you briefly like uh, tell us a little bit more about you? Who you are, what you do. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be here with you guys. So I'm Andrew. I have the privilege of leading a charity called Upbeat Communities, which is a Christian charity based in the city of Derby. We work across the region, but our main focus is, is in Derby, and that's where we have our base. And the charity's been running since 2005, so getting close to 20 years now. Wow. And our primary focus is welcoming and supporting refugees to rebuild their lives in the UK. Wow, that's amazing. Mm, it's nice. So, so, you know, what is Upbeat like? What do you guys do? What is mm. the heart of Upbeat? Thanks. So we, as I said, our, our main focus is to work with refugees and asylum seekers, mm -hmm. and we've been doing that for many years now. It's looked different over the years. We started okay. out um, running a small cafe right. in, a, in a local park as a way to kind of build connections with newly arrived uh, refugees and local people on community activities, arts, that kind of thing, and then also offer sort of volunteering and job opportunities. It's kind of evolved over the years, and now we're much more about service delivery, so that looks like providing support when people first arrive, mm. befriending, so you, families, when they first arrive, don't know anyone, haven't got no understanding of systems or cultures, perhaps don't speak the language, so we yeah. offer befriending to people who... Uh, want that we provide daily English classes mm -hmm. so that's a big need for people for some reason the government in the UK decides that uh, asylum seekers are not allowed to learn English in the first six months of arrival so the, probably the most important time to learn a language they're not able to access mainstream provision so charities like Upbeat Community step in and we provide free classes mm. for many many people who, who can't access it elsewhere so we get at the moment we're getting around sort of anywhere between 35 and 50 people in our classes um, and we run about we run three classes a day five days a week so wow. it's wow. so it's a lot of people uh, we yeah. also do provide food every day mm -hmm. um, food poverty is significant for people seeking asylum they get a very small amount of money mm -hmm. um, if people are, who are living in hotels get nine pounds a week, um, although they do, they are provided with food. And those that are in sort of accommodation where they have their own kitchens, they get four. I think around just over forty pounds a week um, to pro to cover every everything. everything around food, clothes, toiletries, mm -hmm. phone, credit, all of those things. So food poverty is an issue. So we provide a sort of healthy, hearty meal uh, every day from our base uh, in the city centre. 
We do a lot of social activities, so integration is really key, connecting people into community, into activities to help with their, their integration journey, but also with their well-being. You know, people are stuck in the asylum system for sometimes many years, mm-hmm. uh, waiting, they can't work, they can't access um, mainstream benefits, they can't uh, access some education provision as adults. So we want to be able to offer something that's sort of meaningful and help help them. You know, it's mm-hmm. low level well-being support. It's yeah. not. We do we do sort of partner with a few organisations offering kind of therapeutic support, but mm-hmm. uh, m- much more of what we do is the kind of um, well-being type activities. Yeah, that's interesting because I was before we like meet together. Uh, we were. I was trying to read a little bit, like about the refugees and about things that happen in the city. And I saw, like in two thousand nineteen, in the Derby Share Derby Share Life. <laughs> Sorry, my accent. There's like a in the report entitled "Syrian Vulnerable Person Resettlement Scheme." <laughs> I managed to say that everything. Anyways, they say that in Derbyshire, uh, when compared to national and regional um, progress the families are achieving better outcomes here in the area. And uh, you, I know you guys are like a huge, a huge part of that. The other organizations around the country, do they work kind of the same way as a bit, as a bit does? Good question. Well, I hadn't seen that article and I'm pleased to say, or I'm pleased to hear it because we deliver that program for, for Derbyshire. So it's, it's our work that's happening in, yeah. in that area. So that's, Nice. I'm going to look that up at the end of this. <laughs> I think I think it's partly to do with, I would say, our ethos. You know, who we are mm. and why we do what we do. What we do, you know, we do we do the same as many other organisations in terms of the type of thing. How we do it and why we do it perhaps is different. Pe- people's motivation uh, in terms of perhaps from their faith background. But interestingly, not all of our staff are from a Christian background or volunteers. So we've got a mix of people from a range of different faiths and backgrounds. So I think, but just trying to create a culture and an ethos where we really value the person, really value um, um, their own agency, their own ability as as an individual, as a refugee who've you know experienced so much and have so much resilience to be able to kind of deal with what they've dealt with, being able to empower them themselves but also provide the support when it's needed so kind of understanding that that kind of dynamic and that kind of um yeah challenge of of working of of supporting but not kind of removing an individual's agency themselves yeah yeah i think as you said like uh, the the christian like um heart of this and something that i've been thinking about and maybe people watching that maybe they're not christians they were saying, because we are Christians, like, does it interfere? Because most part of the refugees, they are like Muslims, aren't they? So like, how, how, how is this like relationship? You know, because I think sometimes it, people can wonder about that. Does it make the difference? Are Christians more like prioritized than like m- Muslims? Mm. Like, how does it work in the daily basis? Like for upbeat? Yeah, great question. So we are a Christian ethos charity, but we're not an advancement of religion charity. So mm. none of our work is around okay. advancing the Christian faith. It's it's purely about how that influences the the origin story of the charity, how it started, why it started, and also I guess the values that we put into our work is, is shaped by the teachings of Jesus and mm. and so we want that to come through, but that doesn't mean that that, that then 
affects how we work with people or who we work with. So like you said, the majority of those we work with are from a Muslim background. Um, we want to provide them the support that they need, you know, help them access the spiritual support through accessing their own kind of faith practices yes. wherever they're based. Um, but also we, we recognize that the spirituality is, is very important for many people that we work with. Um, so actually helping people find the support they need in that, whether that's accessing a church community or a different faith community is really important. Mm-hmm. I think interesting, like this whole idea, but how did a beat like was born? What was, is there a story behind like how a beat started? Yeah, so the couple who started it, who are currently leaders in one of the churches in the city, okay. uh, they really felt like they, they'd, they'd moved into the Normanton area of Derby uh, and they really wanted to see something happen with, uh, in terms of their work through the church, but they recognised there was a need, a broader need, mm-hmm. and hearing the stories of those seeking asylum in the city, they recognised that they wanted and needed to do something, so they looked at what that would look like, and, and out of that upbeat was born, so it was sort of separate to the church, but, okay. but kind of linked and kind of birthed out of a, a church in the city, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's how it came about. And how did you get involved? Like, how? Well, how, yes, where? so I, I was... <laughs> Um, I think at the time I was lodging with the couple who who founded it um, and knew them through a church connection and had got into the refugee sector working for a different charity. Um, but uh, Karina, who was one of the founders, was constantly asking me to to kind of get involved. So eventually I said yes and joined as a director. So at the time we started as a business, it was a social enterprise, so not actually a charity. Um, And I joined the board of directors then, and then eventually we became a charity. So I've been involved since 2006, so quite a long time. I haven't been leading the charity uh, for that long. I took over um, the CEO role in 2017, but basically from 2006 all the way through to now, I've had some involvement in the charity. Mm. So it plays a big part in my life. I think m- many people, they don't realize that, like, how important for us, like, how we kind of care, like, with the refugees. Because mm-hmm. Jesus himself was a refugee, wasn't he? he yeah. His family was, like, wandering around, running <laughs> running for people who wanted to kill babies. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's really important. And, like, when you were talking about, about religion, like, we think, like, God does, it doesn't matter who God loves, like, everyone. Mm-hmm. And it wants to help everyone. And I think that's that's the big heart of like everything that we do. And it sounds like the same as um, the way Upbeat does. And I think it's so lovely. Like, it's so lovely to hear that. For example, um, there is all this kind of um, environment that they feel loved and cared and they can access all this help. Because nowadays when we, when we turn on the news, we see so much hate going on politics mm. or and, and, and not just politics but because these ideas are being like spread around people and these fake ideologies about refugees and it's been like literally spread all around the country w- w- with crazy theories and stuff so I think many British people don't actually understand the whole context of a refugee person mm. the process that they go through and all of that, and they just create that fake image, like that they kind of want to take over the mm. country, kick all the Brits mm. out, mm. and you know, and 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 I don't know, and start something new. Mm. But let's 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 go back on that. How how does this whole process works? Mm. Let's say someone uh, 
arrived in a in a British airport and said, mm. "I'm asylum seeker. I'm mm. a refugee. What happens mm. next?" Sure. So yeah, that's definitely a way that people arrive through through getting a plane and arriving and claiming asylum at an airport. Obviously, many people arrive crossing the channel. The channel, yes, which is in the news a lot. Um, but that that journey is not new. People previously used to kind of hide themselves in lorries or, mm. or vehicles and cross through the boats or the tunnel, but that became more difficult, so people have found alternative routes. When people are desperate, when they're looking for safety, when they recognise that the UK is seen as a safe place, as a, a place where they will get a, a just decision on their asylum claim, mm. perhaps they speak English, perhaps they've got family members here, that's why they they want to come to the UK. And so if, when somebody arrives, they declare themselves um, as an asylum seeker or wanting to claim asylum uh, to the officials, whether that's police or immigration officials, and then they would then be sent to somewhere in the UK. So obviously we're hearing quite a lot now of hotels all around the UK. Mm-hmm. Primarily that's down to um, the backlog, I think, from the COVID period. So lots of uh, asylum seekers still waiting for a decision, therefore, and not moving on from the, the home office accommodation that they've been provided. Therefore, pe- new people arriving in the country um, can't move into those properties, mm-hmm. so therefore being put in hotels. So somebody might be put in a hotel, they would initially get an interview um, okay. with some kind of Home Office official about why they want to claim asylum. And then at some point later, they will get um, a full interview where they will be invited to share their full story, the reasons, provide evidence as to why they need to claim asylum. Mm-hmm. They have to kind of meet the um, UN Convention for um, Refugee protection to be able to kind of meet that criteria so they have to go through all of these sort of processes and in the meantime if they've got no means to support themselves they would be given some kind of accommodation hotel or hostel or house Mm -hmm. while they're waiting until the decision's been granted if it's positive they would be given refugee status for five years and then they would have the chance to work um, get into education access mainstream benefits Um, if it's a negative decision then there's a there's a sort of um, legal process they can go through to kind of have their case heard by an immigra- independent immigration judge. Mm-hmm. So it's a very complicated system. It's a very difficult system. Um, you're very much relying on legal professionals and there's very few people representing asylum seekers at mm-hmm. the moment. The money for solicitors is very low um, for this kind of work. So okay. it's very hard for people to find a good solicitor. So it's just a very, very challenging environment. So you've experienced the trauma of whatever's happened in your home country, torture, persecution, Mm -hmm. threats, war, depending where they've come from. They've had a very traumatic journey. You know, people have traveled many miles through very difficult situations, seen horrible things, experienced horrible things. And then they arrive in the UK, hoping that it'll get better. But unfortunately, It it doesn't always look like that, particularly if you're stuck in a very difficult circumstance in a hotel in the middle of nowhere with no support Mm. Um, so yeah in a way Derby is a good place because there is that history of um, welcome and refuge in this Mm. place the support organizations like Upbeat like others in the city who are doing great work so people arriving in Derby you know whilst they still might have a difficult time potentially it's it's better than other places because of that established support network here. Why do they come to Derby? Like, like why Derby? Mm. Why is... So that's down to the government deciding. So there's no asylum seekers don't get to choose where they go. Oh, they okay. just get told you're going here. Going. You know, we hear of people who are moved regularly from one hotel to another to another to a different house to another house. Um, they don't have any choice in that. They just mm. 
are told they have to go. So Derby has been a place where the Home Office have um, housed people since 2002. So it's kind of got that history. And before that, there were different refugee resettlement programs, people from Vietnam in the 80s, people from the Balkans in the 90s. So it's had a history of refugee Refugees. resettlement and support. But more recently, it's, it's asylum seekers, people in that asylum system and... Yeah, there's no choice. So we have, like, for example, um, I know that many people um, might look for a beat. Is there, like, a predominant nation that might look, might, might come, like, in, let's say, in the mainstream of, you know, of, um, there's a, how can I express that? Like, there is, like, um, are there any countries that co- tend to come more often, like? Um, yeah, so I think that changes. We mm-hmm. see... Uh, each year or each few months we see different kind of migration patterns depending on what's happening in certain countries Mm -hmm. depending on how the home office choose to house people Um, so uh, i think most recently the top five for upbeat in the last i think in the last year were people from iraq okay uh, and that includes kurdish people um who don't have their own nation but but have a region of iraq um Mm -hmm. that's called kurdistan so iraqis Kurds, Iranians, um, Afghans, um, Sudanese. Um, So obviously the places where things are really uh, difficult in the world, you know, where there's war, civil war going on. Obviously Ukraine is a a big um, uh, refugee producing country at the moment. However, upbeat, we don't tend to see so many. Most people are getting the support through the... Um, families that they're living with so often they will access that and and their Ukrainians don't need to claim asylum they've already been granted some kind of uh, visa for I think a three-year visa so they have a different different routes and and that is the case for others so uh, the the vulnerable persons resettlement scheme you mentioned earlier that's a different route where people are already given their refugee status before they arrive in the UK. Mm-hmm. There's the Afghans who were evacuated from Kabul in 2021. They've got a different kind of system. So there's different um, systems and processes and schemes that people arrive on. So it's not all asylum seekers. Okay. So And then when, when they come, um, I think that's, I have all the questions. <laughs> so when they come to the UK, and they, like, is there a food like from the government that for like each person? Because I, I was trying to read a little bit about it, and it looked like like in two thousand sixteen, there was some money that was destinated for the refugees was like eight, um, like a little bit more than eight thousand pounds a year for for each person, and, and it's a little bit less, like almost half of the things if you were like a child, and it includes like documents, um, the. The, the people that talk to them that you said the the, no no the oh you said the name of them the ones the, in the case that work in the case the maybe lawyers I don't know the the case people that um, the look at their situation workers. yes okay. the, the home office people solicitors woohoo got that <laughs> <laughs> so um how how is that is does the government is it increasing decreasing so again that's dependent on the scheme that people arrive so that figure that you were quoting is not um, money that would be given to the families or the individuals. Okay. It's money that the local authorities would receive uh, okay. and then they use that to provide housing, to provide schooling, mm. to, to pay organisations like us to support the families. So they w- the individuals who would arrive on certain schemes might have the right to work from arrival uh, so they might get straight into work. 
Um, for others, it might be around volunteering or and being on benefits for a while while they sort of adjust while they learn English. Somebody who's an asylum seeker, as I mentioned earlier, gets like 40, just over 40 pounds a week um, if they're in self-catering accommodation. So that's the money they would receive. And there's very little that goes to the local authorities or to charities um, around that. So for us as a charity, we have to fundraise in many different ways. So we fundraise through... The, these contracts that we have. Um, we also have amazing regular donors who support us on a monthly basis mm. or give a one-off gift. Uh, we have um, social enterprises, so where we generate income uh, to be able to use that for, for charitable work. And we engage with trusts and foundations, so put in applications for grants. Um, so yeah, a range of income to support the different schemes because each scheme is funded differently. So like, especially for the charities, because like Upbeat, of course, has a most close relationship with the asylum seekers and refugees. But like other charities that do the work around the city, for example, they are told like, for example, they receive money. So like, for example, food parcel wise, people that work at food bank, normally they don't give food for the refugees because they think they have the money to pay for their food. Mm -hmm. But so not everyone have received the same amount of money. That's that's what you were saying. Yeah, it's it's depends on what scheme they arrive. You know, some people um, can lose their financial support as well. So they could um, still be in the UK, still be waiting for their case to be heard, but they can have their financial support stopped, which means they're basically um, have no access, so they can't work, they can't get any other benefits. So they're kind of probably relying on charities or friends to help them. So yeah, very difficult situations. But yeah, well, I think we see yeah, people in, in, in those difficult situations where sometimes food banks are, are necessary. You know, we support people who've become destitute. Perhaps their case has been refused by the Home Office, but they're too scared to return to their home country. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of stuck in, in a limbo. So we have a, a hosting scheme. So volunteers who have a spare room in their house will, will offer that oh, to nice. an asylum seeker or a refugee. And, and we support those host families to be able to support these guests while they kind of get back on their feet and re-engage with the asylum system so it's like um, a massive work isn't it, it like is. it's it's people like sometimes because every day we are just running around and oh, we know about a bit but actually we have no idea of the dimension of the work like how how it affects like from here to there it's mm. a massive and do you do you like do you have lots of volunteers like to, to help with that because you need yeah. volunteers don't yeah. you yeah so we do we've we've got a great staff team of around um, I think 16 of us um, and then I think we have around about 50 or 60 volunteers mm -hmm. so a really amazing team of people who are really kind of committed to supporting those seeking sanctuary here uh, that looks like people welcoming uh, in our mm -hmm integration hub which is as I said in the city centre we have people who cook food we have people who are befriending people helping with English classes people providing rooms in their homes for hosting uh, and then a whole range of other opportunities we have a program supporting kids so people support with that as well so yeah we're reliant on volunteers really we couldn't do what we do without without our amazing volunteer team so how could um Someone that is listening to us right now or watching us on YouTube, how can they support Upbeat right now? Like, 
Great question. So I guess the two obvious ways are volunteer. Mm -hmm. So we have lots of volunteer opportunities. We have a bit of a cycle with our volunteer program, but mm -hmm. we'll uh, over the summer we'll be recruiting. So there's an opportunity to get your application in and, and find out a bit more. And all the details for the different volunteer opportunities, all the different roles are on our website. So you can see all of that information. Support us financially. You know, we're, we're kind of reliant really on the generosity of individuals mm -hmm. um, which supports a big chunk of our work so whether that's a one-off gift mm -hmm. uh, or a regular donation every month both are really really important whatever whatever amount people can give so two great ways um, I guess if you can't do either of those then maybe just connect with us sign mm -hmm. up to our newsletter and sign up to our social media accounts just to keep in touch with what's going on learn more about refugees kind of get a bit more of an understanding and maybe at some point in the future there's opportunities that you might be able to get more involved and if you're watching this video on youtube we're going to leave on the description their website their address their phone number so then you can just easily get in touch with a big community and if you feel like helping and joining and being part of this cause you can just easy access on the description <laughs> can i ask a question yes please <laughs> like when they when the for example when the refugee arrive at the country how do you how do you connect like how how is the first step for you guys how do you connect with them how do you find because mm. it's so we we know um, certain places where people are housed. So there's a number of hotels in the city. There's a hostel in the city. So we've got connections there already. But really the main way it happens is word of mouth. So people who are already connected to us mm -hmm. will then invite their, their friends, people that they're living with along. So they're able to, you know, just turn up and we'll register them and then they can access what we don't we kind of do things a little bit differently a lot of english and class providers you know you have to register at the start of a term you you're on a particular course you have to attend so many classes and then you might do an exam at the end of it we we're much more flexible we just allow people to turn up if the space in the class on that day they can join that class if it's okay. the right level for them so we don't we're not kind of we don't put barriers to mm. stop people you know you or oh, you've missed a week you can't come none of that for us we just want people to come in particularly with english classes we recognize that actually it's much more than just learning english it's it's about that um safe space it's about a place where they can feel welcomed and, and cared for as you mentioned earlier Kayo. and also uh, a place where um yeah they can have a routine you know they're not for many people if they don't come to services we provide or other charities provide they're just sat at home in their room all day every day you know mm -hmm. there's there's no motivation often for people because there's you know no opportunities for them so i think we recognize that's really important as well so yeah word of mouth is the main thing we have a whatsapp broadcast group that people can sign up to so we'll send out messages every day of what's going on just so it's kind of information and, and that connection for people um, mm -hmm. so we do use yeah a bit of social media social as well media. but but yeah word of mouth is key yeah, that's that's very interesting. Like people sometimes they don't realize the power of social media and mm -hmm. how you can like how you can use this uh, tools or softwares or apps, whatever the names, because I never have all the things in my head, all the words in English. <laughs> um, how you can use that to benefit and to help other people. Yeah. I, I think people really don't don't realize that, and it's it's good to hear like you know that like the power of it and how it's important to reach people. Another questions. Um, I have lots of. <laughs> How many refugees do we have in Derby at the moment? Do you know, like, have an idea? 
Yes, a rough idea. So if somebody, those that are claiming asylum, so the definition is asylum seeker is somebody who is who is still in the asylum system waiting for a decision. So those numbers are easy to work out because those records are kept. So I think we probably have approximately about 1,500 people who are asylum seekers in the city at the moment. And then if somebody's granted refugee status, there's no, there's no like box to tick after that saying I'm a refugee on any form. So you, it's, it's hard to say. Some people will stay in Derby, some people will go to other cities, um, depending on if they've got connections or family or work opportunities. Mm. So I would imagine there's upwards of 5,000 refugees in the city. But Whoa. again, it's it's where you define, each person defines themselves and whether they define themselves as a refugee or not is, mm. is another matter. So I think... Um, you know, are you still a refugee after one year? Are you still a refugee after five years? Are you still after a refugee after twenty years? You know, it's yeah. it, that's yeah, up to each individual to sort of determine that. So it's hard to really mm. put a figure or a number on on how many refugees. Yeah, but my English is all messed up, so I would say I can say refugee, and I'm I'm really meaning asylum seeker. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I don't think that's an English thing. I think it's just the complexity of the, yeah, the you thing. Go. And I will I will use the word refugee sometimes when I'm talking about anyone who's fled. So whether they're still in the mm-hmm. asylum system, whether they're a refugee, whether they've come through a different resettlement route, refugee is the kind of term that we use to kind of cover all of that. But uh, then you can start mm-hmm. getting into the details of asylum seeker or refused asylum seeker or um, British citizen from a refugee background all of those things are we we have no mm. idea of the complexity of yeah. the whole thing that like it's it's a, it's a really interesting like to, to hear um, do we like in this many years that you are working like with um, upbeat communities and with the asylum seekers and the refugees there, there we go I don't get it there <laughs> uh, do you have like a story like something that was that's a good news story yeah i mean one of the things that we're really excited about um is is a new social enterprise we've set up called upbeat clean Mm. so we recognized that there was a need um, for employment for refugees uh, and people had barriers getting into the um the job market here once they've been granted refugee status it seems it seems kind of easier for men, and particularly a single men, to get into work. You know, whether that's working in a warehouse or a factory or some kind of work like that. Whereas for women, it was much harder. They had additional uh, challenges around childcare responsibilities, perhaps lack of experience in their home countries um, due to culture or um, religious perspectives on women working. It might be around um, lack of confidence. Um, mental health, all of those things kind of add to a number of creating kind of barriers for women to get into employment. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we wanted to focus on that and particularly creating employment for women refugees. Certainly that first job getting onto that um, the employment ladder here in the UK. So we set up Upbeat Clean which is a commercial cleaning company and through that we've been able to employ I think um, we've been running for just over two years and around 20 refugee women have come through Uh, come through that some who are still employed some have gone on to other employment and that's been fantastic to see and really there's been an interest in the city around this so initially we started with a few churches a few charities Mm -hmm. just to kind of test test it as a business model and kind of develop it and then 
since then we've I think we're probably working with about 30 different customers now from the uh, Quad, the Art Centre in the city, to Museum of Making, mm. a number of the bigger churches. We're working with Derby County Community Trusts. We're in conversations with some of the big education providers in the city. So, yeah, really exciting to see that and to see how um, that's really impacting um, the lives of women and obviously then impacting their families as well, um, both from a kind of well-being perspective and also from a you know, an opportunity for dignity in work, from reducing poverty, all of those things. So yeah, very exciting. Is it is it is it working like for people's home as well, or not quite yet? So well, uh, not anymore is okay. the way we way I would describe that. So we started initially when we first set up the business as a domestic and domestic, commercial yeah. um, cleaning company. What we found was there was a little bit of a, a challenge around the power dynamic between a kind of refugee, often a person of colour, going into um, often a white middle-class home and, and that kind of dynamic. But also um, it was quite hard to manage as well. Expectations for homeowners are very different, so it's hard to yes. sort of get a standard that, that cleaners could work to that everyone was sort of wanting. So we, we early on pivoted away from that, that double model um, to the single model of commercial cleaning okay. because it was just easier to to manage um, if you think about you know for an individual household you probably you might get one or two hours a week of cleaning you go to a big kind of office you talking 40 hours a week it's much more scalable yeah, yeah. Um, to be able to employ more people in a kind of way that was was helpful so we're not saying we won't go back to domestic but I think really for now it, it's it's a decision we made that that we're parking mm -hmm. that and and focusing on commercial cleaning. Yeah, it's so interesting because like, he used the word bringing dignity a lot. And I think first time when I came to Derby, that, that something that really like stood out to me is like the charity, like I came first and volunteered at the Hope Center and they, they, they had a cafe where they would receive people. And I think what stood out to me is like how people were treated with dignity mm -hmm. they would arrive they would uh, it's like normal it's they are not they would not be treated different because they were homeless or because it's like a place where they can feel safe and i think that's just um it just makes me want to come back and learn from it because sometimes from a christian uh, background we think that coming and helping people is like Give it, putting Christ in the truth, like Jesus, 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? When actually what I believe Jesus really wants from us is to give people dignity, it's to give them like the love that they need and without expecting anything from them, like just helping them to to get better in their lives, to get better like back in their feet and things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I this word is a is a is a massive thing that I see in Derby, like in the values of like Christian charities uh, that bring in dignity to people and I think it yeah. shows a lot of like God's heart to people because uh, like there's I think Isaiah fifty eight talks about like a fasting, like people are asking God, why do we are fasting and you are not listening to us? Why we are praying like, and you are not listening to us. And the answer to, that God gives to them is like, well, when you pray, when you fast, you do whatever you like, you do as you please. But is that not what, what I want you to help the people who are oppressed? Is that, that, that what I want to give food to the poor? Is not that what I want to help like the widows, the orphans and stuff like that? So sometimes we have different ideas of what God wants. And uh, I think coming here to Derby is just help us to understand 
understand the perspective around like what God king God's kingdom is about. Like you know, God loves people and to help people, mm. and it's not bringing them to our religion. You know, it's just like loving them and walking with them and help them to 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 have the the dignity that God created them to be, isn't it? So it's um yeah, I think it's very it's something that really stood out to me and you know, it's in my heart. <laughs> there we go. I think one of the, the other words that stands out for us sort of linked to that as well, um, but sometimes can be challenging is that empowerment. You know, how do you how do you help someone um, to help themselves? So it's not about doing everything for someone. Yes. It's not just about you know you need you need this food okay there you go or you need this support I'll do that for you you know perhaps for some some individuals and people at certain points that's what they need then but trying to create an environment where people can can be empowered to say you know this is my goal and this is how I'm going to achieve it yeah. you know I might need your support with that bit of it but I'm going to do the rest and helping people not to become um, reliant um, on charities like us mm -hmm. um, but also to get the support when they need it to kind of move on, and, move on yeah. and I guess that employment thing is something like that you know we're helping people into employment but we don't want to keep them at upbeat clean forever we you know if people want to um, move into other areas of employment we're supportive of that and can think of a couple of people one who wanted to get into healthcare and we were able to support mm -hmm. them with a reference in into that that work and then someone else who we gave some um, office experience to in addition to her cleaning work and that helped her get um, an office role that's amazing any more for any more I can ask lots of questions <laughs> now that I started you never stop me no I'm joking I don't have any questions I think, anymore. I'm, gonna, I think I'm gonna steal the papers no. don't steal my papers <laughs> they're so good I mean, I think that's all important for people to know because yeah. sometimes, like, we, people just they they just don't realize when they come here. Like, in a while, when they get people that come to help, they sometimes it, they just they just don't get it, you know. And then, um, um, especially if you're from a religious background, sometimes it's difficult for people to get it. Um, I think. So I think it's interesting to talk about this. I think it's important to talk about the issues and see their heart of the people for. Um, for other people so yes thank you Andrew for for helping us with all these questions <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, we, we know that you're very busy and thank you for making us uh, making some time to yeah. be able to have this chat with us it's very important um, not just for us because um, I think for, for the whole Derby and Derbyshire upbeat has been like a difference and I know because I volunteered with you guys in the past when I arrived in Derby and I know uh, what they do and I know it's incredible so when I first arrived in Derby I used to help with the English classes as well so um, it's 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 good to be actually be able to have a chat and especially because I was involved with with a bit in the past so uh, it's good to actually be able to have this sit down and it's to spread even to more people like a work that we know what it's all about because we've been involved with it in the past. So thank you for um, 
visited us today. Thank you for it. Thank you for So, um, so yeah, thank you. And um, also for our next episode, we're gonna have with us Denise from the Hope Center. We are very looking forward to have you yeah. with us and say um, and share a little bit about how the help uh, the Hope Center helps to support those that are going through financial challenges in this um in this, city, in this yeah. season i think if you're listening to us or if you're watching online it's very interesting that you know that darby is a place that that has a heart for people and I, th i think that's something that we see very clear here and just talking to andrew you can see like how like um, the, the charities they they really want to change the atmosphere of the city how they want to people to, to, you know, to, to, I think, succeed, I guess, yeah. in, in their lives. And uh, it's very inspiring and it's it help us to grow and see things in different perspective. And it's and also it's a massive experience when we have con like um, close contact with people that have been through different challenges that that we have been. And uh, as as uh, like we as missionaries, we think we sometimes are coming to help, but yeah. actually we are helped we are we are challenged we we see like how how much like we need to change uh, and uh, and we grow just through the relationship with the people so we just want to show you like the amazing city uh, that we work um, and uh, and how proud to be honest uh, mm -hmm. i'm really proud of derby i know it's not perfect but i'm really proud of derby yes so yeah i'm a derby girl <laughs> derby derby Darby. Anyways. Right. <laughs> we shall it's supposed see to be fun. No? We shall see you guys in the next episode. <laughs> Thank you for staying with us and we shall see you next week for The Bagels In. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you a bit for letting Andrew come. Yes, thank you. Bye. <laughs>